You thought you'd gotten rid of us, didn't you? But you were wrong, old Bean. Because we're back with a vengeance. Good sight for Queen or son. From studios in Hollywood, California, rural southern Indiana, and the hinterlands of North Dakota, this is the Live, Laugh, Golf Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Desert Duffer, OTB Lefty, and Jay Score. Hello, everyone. Desert Duffer here. Welcome to the Live, Laugh, Golf LLG podcast. I'm your host, DD. I'm here with my buddies, my co-hosts, my good friends, Jay Score and OTP Lefty. Welcome to those of you who are visiting with us for the very first time because of the document dump that was made on Twitter this weekend. A lot of documents, a lot to talk about, a lot of golf this weekend. We're going to talk about it all. But first, let's talk to Jay Score. How you doing, buddy? What's new? Duffer, it's it's good to be here with with you and OTP as always. I always enjoy spending time with with you fine gentlemen. You know, I've been I've been busy, not as busy as you have been. Um dumping documents on twitter but i i've been uh soaking up the sunshine in in summer in the hinterlands of north dakota the hinterlands a lot of time of north dakota I'm, I'm excited for our new visitors to the podcast they get to hear what we're probably most proud of i think is the intro uh our announcer just uh, just does a spectacular job uh how is the weather in the hinterlands right now other than, you know, the the moderate to unhealthy air condition from our, our friends up north mm. uh, with their, their smoke blowing down, it's it's really good, honestly. We've had um, hot, mostly dry, a little bit, of, you know, humidity pops every now and again, but it's been good. Lots of sunshine and there's nothing better than the sun being up until 9.45, 10 o'clock at night and still just kind of glowing there. Um, driving home from the golf course, windows down, uh, the smell of fires in people's backyards and grills going. Oh yeah. Uh, but listen, let's get to the, the real news. It's it's come to my attention that you have recently achieved a personal best. On, was it a personal best or or a tie for the personal best on the golf course? Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because who doesn't <laughs> love hearing about other people's golf games? Um, at least that's why everybody tuned in to this yeah, pod, right? Sure. Is to hear about uh, a, a 12 handicaps uh, adventures around. All right, the what was course. the number? Like, What'd you shoot? 79. 79. We, Good we for matched you. my broke personal 80. best. It's been a few years. We broke 80. We, sh- we fired a 79. We shot even par uh, on the back nine. At one point, we were nearly two under. Uh, but it was a lot of fun on on uh, to. To keep the ball in front of you like that, I, I had glimpses of like what it must feel like to to actually be good at this uh, this game we love. Listen, I love it. We, we have a we have a golf date upcoming. OTP, yes. you're going to be there. That's uh, next month in it's in August, right? Where are we going? Yes, that's right. It's July now officially, so August is next month, and we it is circled, it is highlighted, it is em, embossed. Uh, <laughs> reservations are, re- reservations are made. Money is saved. Um, very excited. What else is new there in Bedford? We finally got some rain, um, which was much needed for our uh, area. But uh, other than that, playing and watching a lot of golf on TV and in person. And it's championship season here starting next week. Oh, great. Don't get too excited. Great. great. More local talk, uh, golf talk from the host. I, I haven't played golf in, <laughs> in months. You were you were with me the last time I played golf. I'm, I'm busy. I'm on Twitter. I'm combing the court websites for information to bring to the to the Twitter community and to our podcast listeners 
We should talk about it. They're calling it the, the PGA Tour document dump. It's finally out there in the media. I, have you guys document dump? I see what you did there. Have, have you read the the documents? I mean, I Duff, I haven't. So I'm I'm looking forward to you giving me a full debrief so that I can BS my way through an essay like I was taking an ACT exam. Um, just looking forward to winging it here. All right. So I'm listen. I'm sure that everybody who's listening to this podcast is aware of the situation. We even had Tiger Woods addressing the documents about it. Broke his silence <laughs> on the merger, Duff. About an hour Is that ago, you. you broke tigers i did i did listen um you know i'm told phil mickelson uh followed me on twitter this weekend as well so so big weekend with the two greatest golfers of llg is on my generation right now is what i'm hearing so listen here's the deal there is a lawsuit that remains pending in state court in florida in palm beach and it was filed by a man some know as Patrick Reed's lawyer in his defamation lawsuit that was brought against the Golf Channel and certain personalities at the Golf Channel. He's also what some consider to be a muckraker. He's a litigious attorney who files lots of lawsuits on his own behalf. And we've talked about it on this podcast previously. He has filed an antitrust lawsuit in state court on his own behalf and on behalf of other similarly situated consumers against the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the OWGR, among others, raising many of the same claims that were at issue in the Live versus PGA Tour antitrust suit up in the Northern District of California. But I think what happened is everybody in the media just sort of assumed when the merger or consolidation or partnership was announced between the PGA Tour and the PIF, and that California lawsuit was dismissed, that everything was over. And we weren't going to get to see any of those juicy documents that everyone was talking about being produced in discovery. Well, it's not all over. And as I told you before, the state of Florida and the courts in that state take public access to judicial documents more seriously than Judge Freeman up in the Bay Area seemed to do. So what happened was... Larry Clayman filed a motion last week, and he included a bunch of documents that were produced in discovery. These were marked confidential. There was a protective order that required him to file them sort of under seal or as a confidential uh, appendix. The clerk of the court, apparently on his or her own impetus, decided that those documents were not confidential according to the standards that are set in the state of Florida and unsealed those documents. So last Tuesday, on the public website, which, by the way, is not like the PACER website, which is the website where you get access to federal court documents, in the state of Florida, or at least in Palm Beach, there's a public website that you can go on, anyone, you don't have to be a lawyer, you don't have to be a journalist, you don't have to sign up for an account, you don't have to pay any money, all you have to do is pay attention, click on a couple of buttons, And you can download the 357 pages of juicy documents that I downloaded earlier this weekend and post them on Twitter. Yes. Okay. OTP. Let's start start there. So this is how they were obtained using just free access to the internet. That's right. The the quick question is, what led you to know that it was time? How did you know to go back and continue to look? 
Like, what was the what was your process like? Where was your head? Sure. Well, I've been following. You know, I've made it a point because part of what the my purpose on this podcast has been is to help the public understand what's going on in the legal battles that have been fought between Liv and Patrick Reed and Larry Clayman and the PGA Tour this entire time. So I consider it kind of my duty to periodically check that website. And I knew that the case wasn't over. And there have been motions to dismiss that have been granted. The judge in that case has continued to sort of let Mr. Clayman uh, replead his claims, that is, amend his complaint to see if he can make it stick. It's currently on his. Can I can I interject? Sure. Do we do we need to call him Mr. Clayman? Listen, is, I, we're respectful. We're, all, we're always respectful here. And, okay, and remember, okay, he I, is litigious. I don't, I don't want to get in the way. I called him a <laughs> kook on Twitter, and I'm already I'm walking a I fine mean, yeah, line we when it comes to Larry, to Mr. Clayman. Larry very Clayman. Quickly. I just wanted to make sure we're not you know skipping any steps. In any event, I continue to monitor that docket. Uh, so you know, every few days I go on there and see what's going on. So I found it. I it was probably like I said. They were filed on Tuesday. It was either Friday night or, or Saturday that I discovered them. As I said, it was 357 pages of documents. The great majority of those documents are really boring. Uh, at least I found them boring. But if you're interested in the inner machinations of the OWGR, you might find them interesting. Most of them related to the process where the OGR, OWGR was approving the new ranking system that went into, mm. into effect earlier this year. Uh, not interesting in particular. There's some stuff in there that you might, you know, I, listen, you like what you like. But what I does will say. Confer- does it confirm the Gulf Illuminati? I, I might have to die. I'll, I'll tell you, it absolutely does confirm that these decisions are made by the European tour or the DP wow. world tour, as it's called, and the PGA tour. There was nobody else on, on this committee that was handling the changes to, from what I could see from these emails, handling the changes to the ranking system. But I'm, I'm mildly shocked. I'm mildly in, shocked. In any event, that's about 200 pages out of the 357, maybe a little bit more. But I skimmed them all and I reviewed them all. And among those documents, there were things that I found particularly interesting. For example, the terms of the agreements between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour, the strategic agreement that we've heard about so much, we had the contracts. They're right there. This is something that I assumed the public wants to know about. I would think the media would want to know about. So I was surprised to learn that Having been posted on Tuesday, I hadn't seen anything about them on Friday or Saturday when I found the documents. So that leads to what I decided to do. And I didn't I didn't want to get you guys involved. I didn't I you know, I know you were I'm not a lawyer, so I appreciate right, that I did, stuff. I, I I'll leave the lawyering to you. You know, right? when you saw that I had posted the material, I didn't want to tell you where it came from, but my plan was this. I wanted to see how long it would be before the media would find this material, this public, this wide open material in the public record and report on it. So I reported it piecemeal. I gave a bunch on Saturday. I gave a bunch more on Sunday morning. First of all, you know, I've got about 1,500 followers maybe. You know, they're all, wow, I can't believe this stuff. But none of the media members who follow me were picking up the material. I got a bunch of DMs saying, hey, could you tell me where you got that so we could verify? I'd like to report on it, but we need to know it's real. Well, I decided not to do that. Not going to give them the material. Going to make them work for it. See if they could figure it out. Now, 
JSCore, this shouldn't have been difficult. These are bait-stamped documents. A bait stamp is a little number on the bottom right-hand corner of, a, of documents in a case, usually. And they're in order, and they're produced by each side. So in this case, there are numbers, or, or Bates numbers, as they're called, that start with PGAT. <laughs> that suggests these were documents produced by the PGA Tour in litigation, and they're in sequential order. They have numbers. And so as I posted them on Twitter, most of these documents, I included the Bates stamp. It also included a marking that either said confidential or highly confidential or highly confidential attorney's eyes only, which would only lead one to assume that they were produced in litigation. Now, I'm told that some people, well, maybe we're scared. It says attorney's eyes only and you have them. I don't know. Did you steal them, Duffer? Did you steal them? Could we get in trouble if we if we report on these documents that maybe you stole? Well, first of all, the answer is no. I mean, this is one of the fundamental precepts of the free press and the First Amendment in this country, right? Like, of course, you leaks. But is that the type of trouble they're thinking about? <laughs> yeah, though? leaks. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> the trouble they're thinking about it, is Jay going to be mad at me? Am I going to get my press pass taken away? But so anyway, I report them now. I'm thinking. Okay, they're bait stamped. They know they were produced in litigation. How long could it possibly take? First, they're going to go to Pacer in the Northern District of California. They're going to look around there. They're not going to find anything. There are multiple other sort of peripheral lawsuits going on in federal courts around the country where players are involved in, in, in lawsuits, so subpoenas. They're going to try all those. And I assume that somebody one of these outlets, one of these reporters is going to go to the case that they know exists and the website they know exists that hosts documents and see if, hey, maybe I've missed something. Maybe And it's like the most recent <laughs> docket number. I mean, it's right there. Like, what, hey, what's been going on in the Larry Clayman case? Boom, there it is, 357 pages. But nope, nothing for a day. Nope, nothing for another half day. I'm getting messages saying, well, we can't do anything. Our, our lawyers are saying that uh, we're not allowed to comment on it, which is just absolute horseshit. That's, so yeah. what I decided to do was give these documents to Bob Herrig of Sports Illustrated. And I contacted Bob and I said, listen, I, I can give you the documents. I can let you know where they came from. I can help you verify them. You're going to have to promise to me that in any story that you write, you're going to give me credit. You're going to, you're going to say, these documents, as originally reported by the Twitter account, Desert <laughs> Duffer LLG. He agreed to that. Now, I, I, I'm not going to throw Bob under the bus. I will say that I believe that we had a little bit of a different agreement than he seems to believe. So, of course, he was going to go to the website and verify that they were authentic. And he could look at them and download them from there. And, and if he needed those to assuage any sort of doubts that his editors or his magazine's lawyers had, he could take care of that. But what I, what I believe I asked him to do was not report that they were available on the court's public website, because I still thought of this as kind of a test for the media, not just I want the public to know about this information, and I do. But I also wanted the public to know about what's going on with these reporters who are supposed to be covering golf. You can't do even the most basic kind of first-year news reporting. 
So unfortunately, Bob published a story and he did give the credit that we agreed upon. So I won't nail him for that. But he reported, of course, that these were publicly filed documents on the Palm Beach website. And now everybody's reporting them. Many of the people not giving credit, but I care less about that as much as I care about now everyone is sort of pretending that they did the work that they're supposed to do. I would have preferred it if Bob just wrote his stories and he kept the information and he said, I verified this. These are authentic. You know, you can come at me. I'm not afraid of being sued, but not give the material out to the public and see how long it would have taken for his peers in the golf media to finally get off their asses, do some digging and find out where these documents came. So that's where we are with respect to how it all came about. I think I proved my point, and I'm glad the people got to to read the documents. I, w- I want to talk a little bit about them, of course, but uh, that was the process. So it, it's interesting to me to uh, this the media very much seems to just be organically or intentionally acting like a club, right? Where even like the to Bob, for Bob to frame up the article and and disclose where everything is at, it's sort of like here now everybody else can dive into this thing versus really trying to like be critical and expose what's going on. It's more just kind of softballed again. Yeah, I I don't know I don't know why he did it. I I will say you know obviously if you were if you were reporting this on your own you would want to say these where they were. It seems as though you at least were on the case. You were paying attention. You were monitoring the the court docket. But at this point, once you've missed it, once I had to give them to him, I had to direct them to the website where they were, that's out the window. At that point, you know, I I understand he probably felt like he didn't want to be in on the troll job that, I mean, let's face it, that's what I was doing. But you do love trolls. But I felt like that's what we agreed to. So, uh, in any event, they're out there now. Uh, one of the documents has, you know, serious implications, and not serious implications, but one of the documents implicates Tiger Woods or potentially implicated Tiger Woods. And we elicited a comment from Tiger Woods on Twitter today, which I thought was pretty exciting. Did you guys see that? I I did see it. I. It, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't his his first commentary at all on the merger and it's a direct response to the work that our very own Desert Duffer has produced? I, is that true? As far, I heard it's true. As far as I know, I think that's true. So J- Incredible. JT, OTP Lefty, you read the documents. What did you think of them? What about the Tiger stuff? Did you have any any feelings about the documents that Tiger was commenting on? Well, my favorite part of the entire thing was – Jay Monahan's notes for the meeting from last year at the Travelers. Now I have some questions about financial statements and we'll get into that stuff that's just flabbergasting later, but when he when he imagined what Tiger's talking points would be when he addressed the tour and he just threw in a plug for himself. Like I know Jay's working his One ass plug. Off. It was many plugs. Yeah. So so like that that right there, that really did it for me. And for him to respond saying this is the first I've ever seen this leads me to believe that maybe he doesn't think that those things that Jay hoped that he would say about him are actually yeah, true. Absolutely. So for Jay, I, I hate to be a big assumer, but uh, um, yeah, can you guys run, yeah. can you guys run me through some of the talking points? Yeah. The highlights? For Jay score. So, so this was, and this is what Ty, this is what Jay thought Tiger might say or propose Tiger to say. Yeah, so in Tiger's own so words. this was at the Travelers Championship on the Tuesday of the Travelers last year. You'll remember that the Travelers was when, uh, 
Jay Monahan showed up and in his press conference, he gave the, if this is to be an arms race, we can't win that speech, right? Well, apparently there was a players only meeting, what they called a town hall meeting on the remarks. They're headed Jay Monahan's remarks, PGA Tour player town hall meeting, Travelers, Tuesday, June 21st, 2022, 7.30 a.m. And it's got a list of four bullet points topics to address. One, Explain how the Live Golf Series is a threat to your livelihood, your business, and the game of golf as a whole. Two, what is the ultimate punishment, suspension length, for those who have violated our tournament regulations? Three, what is the plan moving forward, not just with regards to Live, but what is the tour going to do to grow moving forward? And four, what can players do to help? What is your call to action? And then there are some talking points that are written out for Jay, and they skip one, two, and three, and they go to four. Number four, what can players do to help? What is your call to action? And among those talking points that were written for Jay, we don't know whether Jay wrote them or somebody on Jay's staff wrote them, but they're written and they were produced in the litigation. One of these bullet points is, so your willingness to step up publicly and privately to defend your organization and everything it stands for, I'm confident that it will make all the difference in the world. And then that's where it gets really corny because it, it's written out like a like a screenplay, okay? I mean, so you, you've got bullet points. You would think that they're just, hey, this is a topic, Jay, do whatever you're going to do. No, no, no. Riff on no, it, we, right? we're, like we're, Riff on Yeah, this. we're pretty detailed here. So at the end, we've got a bullet point and it goes, last week, I spent some time with Tiger and he asked the same question. What can I do to help? As we talked through some ideas, he came up with one of his own. He asked if he could talk to you guys directly. Ellipsis. <laughs> and then we've got, we've got a bracketed, italicized stage direction here. Tiger enters the room and to the podium. <laughs> and then, it's, then we've got a new bolded section, which is Tiger Woods' potential talking points. And mind you, the Tiger section is about a page and a half long, whereas Jay's Jay section is about a quarter of a page. <laughs> and it, it's there, so there are these talking points that are written to help for Tiger, and it literally starts with, Thanks, Jay. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, Jesse. Like, such a pleasure to be here. And then he imagines his son, Charlie, as a future tour member and the things that he would be playing for, oh, for history. Oh. And the tour that Jack and Arnie built with all of their moral virtue and, and all this baloney. It's, it's, it's hysterical. It's unbelievable because it's so clearly intended to be written in Tiger's voice. Like, it's good to see you guys. This isn't really my thing, as you know. <laughs> it's like he, he's doing <laughs> formal meetings and speeches at podiums. I'll do it. But it's not really my favorite thing in the world, especially when it involves getting up at 4 a.m. Like, oh, that's a that's a typical tiger. Like, is that supposed to be a funny joke? I just flew because in from not, Jupiter and boy, yeah. are my arms tired. But I think what, what's interesting about – I mean, and it's, it is so hokey and it's so detailed. But the interesting details in the prepared speech for Tiger for me – is the smoke that is blowing up Jay's ass like every five lines. So it starts, it starts with, guys, let me start by saying, I think Jay, our captain in this scenario, is working his ass off. Oh, that's important. Thanks. Oh Thanks. I mean, Jay thought it was important for Tiger to make clear to the membership that Jay was working his ass off. And then it goes into this whole thing about how Jay and I players. haven't always agreed on everything, but... 
He's the right guy for this war. He's a fighter. And then like two lines later, I think Jay and his team have protected you, all of us, from the worst of it. And then he talks about Jay's staff. They've had to look and act strong and sort of tell us not to worry about anything, that they've got it handled because that's their job. They work their asses off just like they did during COVID to ensure our lives aren't interrupted. I mean, it's unbelievable. Could you imagine? This is like Jay writing his eulogy. I mean, I, I can't believe because that's their job. They work their asses off. Unreal. And then we know we know that it was written either by Jay or somebody very close to him because in Tiger's speech, which was eventually became part of Jay's speech at his press conference, we have, guys, make no mistake. If this is an arms race and if the weapons here are dollar bills, the PGA Tour can't compete. That is almost word for word what Jay ended up saying the next day at his press conference. So it's a, and, and then you want to do the Charlie stuff OTP cuz that's and that's mind-blowing in and of itself. Yeah, I think I I think I pretty much encapsulated it for him. He basically the notes there where he imagines a future where Charlie he hopes that Charlie could play the same tour that yeah. that his right. you know his grandfather watched yeah. on television Charlie, when they were playing for some Charlie's a pretty good player. I like yeah. it. It's just it's just so it's, bad. So it's so hilarious. So, now now there's other stuff in other documents, Jesse, and I want to just hit on this quickly. Where whenever some communication has to go out to the public, or when something is happening, uh, Jay Monahan has this uh, habit of going and writing other people's emails for them, or telling them what they should say. So he uh, he punks uh, Keith Pelly a couple times when they're trying to talk about what the future of the tour is. He's like. Eh, maybe you should actually say it like this. And Keith Pelly got a C minus on his fifth grade English papers because not great. Yeah, I mean, just a one paragraph email that was almost completely re- re- rewritten. Like I wouldn't even have done this to a first year associate as a partner at a law firm. Just, just really brutal stuff. But I want to finish up on Tiger's speech that he eventually today Again. on Twitter disavowed. Yeah, there's the the ending. So the final bullet point, the final bold black bullet point is, so when you ask, what can I do? I have two ideas. First, do what I did. Tell the Saudis to go fuck themselves and mean it. Like he wrote, somebody on Jay, they were like, well, let's just tell Tiger to to say that um, he should tell the guys that they should tell the Saudis to go fuck themselves. Can you believe writing that for Tiger Woods? I just the, so the it's, audacity. It's, it's obvious. It's obvious. Tiger never saw this because somebody in his staff saw it and was like, "Yeah, no, <laughs> like I'm never going to send this to Tiger." And so then, you know, part of what what's in here is, of course, this is what Jay wanted people to do, wanted the players to do, to publicly denounce Live, to do what we saw ultimately that little moron Billy Horschel do, what we saw. Rory McIlroy do over and over again. What we saw JT do for a little while, then he sort of stepped back from it. The very end is second, tell the world over and over any chance you get that you are sticking with the tour because you are part of something bigger than yourself, that you are the PGA tour and the PGA tour is you. Can you, I mean, that is, can you, 
Oof. I thought they were independent contractors. That it's, I, oh, man. They, they, and they're, they're suing us. They're suing us. Dude, I what, can't believe they sued us. Taylor Goods is suing us. They're still suing us. That it's ah. damn good and it's worth fighting for. So, yes, this is what somebody on the staff of Jay Monahan, whether it was Jay himself, and I suspect he had his hand in it or not, Tiger today said, I have never seen this before. I was not at that meeting. So Tiger, shout out Tiger's staff for insulating him from that dribble. That was so clearly Tiger was invited. He passed on the opportunity, and I think what is notable is the fact that Jay is MIA, and Tiger hasn't been on Twitter since the announcement of the partnership or merger with Live. And this was what brought him out. Was like that. That ain't me. Let's throw Jay under the bus. Jay's. And we, you know, we got to talk a little Fox bit more ticket. about Jay because I, I just, the more I think about this deal, the more I think about the fact that he ran this backroom deal, the more I consider that he gave himself a job, like he didn't have the authority to make this deal. The board has to make it. But not only did he make it, but he gave himself the grand poobah job in the negotiation. Like the guy, his audacity has no bounds. He's just just an absolute disgrace. I hope, I totally hope that his health is fine. I hope that he's been sure. faking it. I hope that if he's not been faking it, he's recovered. And I hope he lives a long and healthy life. I also hope he gets his ass fired because he's an absolute disgrace to the title. Just, oh man, it gets my gut. So though that's the Tiger documents. You know, wow. that's okay. That's more of an a sort of an atmospheric thing. Like this is what's going on in the mind and the world of Jay Monahan as the live threat started to materialize. But then we've got a lot of bunch of stuff, a, a whole bunch of stuff having to do with the European tour, the DP World Tour, and I think that's really the meat of it. OTP, you you gave a good look at the financials. I mean, what are your overall thoughts of what the plans were between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour? Okay, so Jesse, the the bottom line is that the European tour is financially helpless. Um, they I'm make, shocked. They I make can't they they, that. they make a wee little bit of money every four years, and the PGA Tour took the opportunity through this strategic partnership, the framework of which didn't get to be wasn't realized. A lot of the stuff that was in this in this document dump is things that didn't get a chance to kind of come together because of uh, Liv coming on the scene. But the European Tour coming up under the PGA Tour actually get, would give the PGA Tour part of the Ryder Cup, which is something they've always coveted, right? And they made very few promises to the DP World Tour. Um, a, a lot of their funding would be contingent. A lot of their scheduling would be contingent. Um, they were offering exemptions. Um, this has been discussed many times. They've offer, they were offering exemptions to the top 10 players on the DP World Tour, like Order of Merit so that they could filter those players to the PGA tour. Um, there was no notes that I saw about a, uh, about a way to rescore the Ryder cup, but, the, but the PGA tour, not having a piece of the American side of the Ryder cup is a big, it's stuck in their craw forever. And the PGA profiting off of PGA tour players has been a thing that's bothered them forever. Um, and and this was a way for them to get that. And that's the only thing the European Tour has a value. So they had that thing set up um, to, to, in a very sweetheart type deal that I could see. Um, the 
the the the DP World Tour runs a lot leaner than the PGA Tour does. That's the other thing that there's something like fifty nine million dollars a year in sales, general, administrative expenses on the PGA Tour. This is just baloney. Mm-hmm. Um, during the during the Twitter storm yesterday, um, our Duffer uh, said, "Hey, if you have any trouble with PGA Tour communications, you can just actually send them to the Vice President of Communications, whose name escapes me." Laura, anyway. Laura Neal, Laura Neal Schroeder, who is actually, it turns out, married to Billy Schroeder, who is a vice president at PGA Tour headquarters, who also happens to be on, or maybe leads, the technical committee of the OWGR. And then, of course, there's no no conflicts whatsoever. So, uh, None. Anyway, lo- totally so, so Mrs. Schroeder also has, has a job as VP of comms, where she knocks down $900,000 odd a year hmm. to do mm-hmm. no, nothing so, to do nothing. Com- if you make PGA tour, it, of course it, there, that means there's got to be some actual staffers and there's got to be some interns. There's has to be some assistance creating some communications and you're overseeing communications for something that doesn't communicate and you make $900,000. Yeah. Well, I, and I hate to get sidetracked on it, but remember, this is a nonprofit or organization. It's a 501c6. Can you explain to me, when you decide to pay somebody $900,000 who has a, a bachelor's degree and has never held a job outside of the LPGA or the PGA Tour in her entire career, when you decide to pay that person nine hundred grand? Aren't you signaling nobody else could do this job? If we if we cut this salary to five hundred thousand dollars, we could not possibly get somebody as qualified and competent as Laura Neal Schroeder. Is that what you're really telling the players who are supplying the funding when it comes down to it to this organization? I, I, did Phil have a point? Of course he did. Of course he did. I think the biggest thing that should come out of this for the players as they're assessing how they've been treated and where they've gone in this journey is that there are 800 some people who work for the PGA tour. Like it's an unbelievable uh, amount of people. And uh, when you have this tax exemption, you have to burn through some money if you're throwing off so much. But also the tours, the tours, the tours throwing off in 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 like surplus. What forty million dollars a year? Oh yeah, it's, case, it's more 40, than that. 50. That's what they're putting into reserves. But remember, they've built up this nest egg of assets, mostly real estate assets, of over a billion dollars. Well, well, I'll get to it. Anyway, they, they top line the top lines a billion a billion dollars in the the. CEO makes fifteen million plus a million dollars worth of use of jets or something. If you had any other kind of business, even a for-profit enterprise, the CEO wouldn't make that with at that level of revenue, and certainly not at that low level of net profit. Like it's just bananas how much money these people make. And whenever, just got to say this one more time. Whenever the, they're suing us, they're suing us. They're not suing the players. The the PGA Tour is not the players. It is this endless labyrinth of bureaucrats and people who hire their wife and pay them $900,000 a year to do nothing. Well, I, I, I want to cor- correct on that. I want to, and we are not suggesting that Billy Schroeder hired his wife. It seems to me, it appears to me that Laura Neal is, is above Billy Schroeder in the pecking order at PGA tour headquarters. So I, we would of course assume that 
they're both qualified to do a job, whether they're both qualified to get paid the amounts of money they are. No frigging way. Absolutely not. Yes. Schroeders, desperately sorry to have mentioned you by name. You were the line that stuck out to me when I was reading Vice President of Nothing or the other <laughs> Vice President of Nothing. There's nothing that happens well, down there that would require anyone at that level. Well, OTP, I want I want to say that it, it, it the reason they stuck out and the reason they were named by me in the Twitter files or the PGA Tour papers is because there was another email between the two of them. So they email each other at work. You know, Listen, as a litigator, I've got to stop sending bad emails. <laughs> Just they're going to come up. Don't use your work email to say screwed up things if you don't want them to get turned over in discovery. And if you work at a high profile company, if you don't want them to get posted on Twitter eventually. Because that's what happened, unfortunately, to our favorite married couple, Billy and Laura, because when the Saudi, when the when the Live Golf offers started started getting made, Billy decided to tell Laura what Billy's dad had to say about the Saudis and about Live. And there was discussion of blood money, unfortunately, for Billy and Laura, because Billy's dad doesn't doesn't want to see any of those players play again and there should be a congressional investigation and you should never take Saudi blood money. So I'm I think we're all curious as to how things are going to go or how they're going now in the Billy Schroeder senior household now that Billy Schroeder Jr may be uh you know ultimately working for the public investment fund of the KSA. I mean, I, I know what I would hear. They've, they've made a lot of strides in the last couple of years, and, and everyone's doing business with them. They, I mean, the Saudi government's doing business with most of the Fortune 500. Oh, oh how things know, have changed suddenly. 25 wow. out, of the, out, of the, out of the Forbes top 40. Sudden, sudden strides. Wow. Uh, very new str- um, But I want to yeah. talk about the DP World Tour a little bit and about this proposed merger. So remember, a lot of the talk – having to do with the new arrangement between the PGA Tour in the Strategic Alliance, the PGA Tour cards that were going to be given to members of the European Tour has been about whether the European Tour has become a feeder tour for the PGA Tour. And Keith Pelley and his lieutenants have saying, there's nothing of the sort. We're not a feeder tour. We're our own independent. Well, maybe, uh, but I will tell you these documents seem to contemplate that the DP World Tour would, in fact, become a feeder tour. They are very clear that the PGA Tour would be the focus for the best players in the world, and the European Tour would be a pathway towards the PGA Tour. Hmm. Further to that, the plan was for the PGA Tour to become the 100% sole owner of the DP World Tour. The DP World Tour's board would be folded into the PGA Tour. so. it would no longer have authority over its activities. It would be an advisory board like the Corn Ferry Tour Board or the Champions Tour Board. And after a period of, again, this was in the proposal and the contemplated merger, this was back in June of last year before shit really hit the fan with Liv. But in this proposal, after 13 years, it would be as though the European Tour or the DP World Tour cease to exist as its own entity. It would just be a sort of a clear section of the PGA Tour. So it was clear. And by the way, what's uh, another thing that's interesting is 
this had been planned, this merger, this acquisition of the DP World Tour or then the European Tour by the PGA Tour had been planned since the original strategic alliance agreement in 2020. And it was in writing as of January 29th, 2021. Keith Pelley, Jay Monahan, to the best of my understanding, never told not only its players, but its player members of the board on the PGA Tour side, never told those guys that, hey, we're buying the DP World Tour. And I'm certain that Keith Pelley didn't tell his players that the PGA Tour was going to buy and take over the European Tour. And the difference between, one of the differences between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour when it comes to decisions like this is, as we've learned, as we've known for a long time, those decisions, major decisions are made by the policy board on the PGA Tour side. Mm -hmm. For the DP World Tour, it requires a vote of the membership. And voting membership, as of these documents, was around 400 players, and it required 75% approval. So Keith Pelley was going to have to convince 75% of the player members of the European Tour that this was a good thing. And the way that I think he was – by the way – we haven't asked what the price was going to be to buy the European tour. Essentially nothing. The PGA tour was going to take over the DP world tours debt and the DP world tour wanted the PGA tour to set a floor for prize money. And it sounded like what they were looking for was to have prize money in tournaments be no lower than their 2022 levels. But beyond that, it's just kind of take us over, baby. (laughs) We're, we're along for the ride. And, you know, let's, Let's remember that I think at this point in June of 2022, the PGA Tour already knew it was the subject of an antitrust investigation. The lawsuit by Live Golf hadn't been filed yet, but I don't see anything about Jay Monahan discussing the concerns with consolidating, buying the only other, prior to Live Golf, the only other semi-peer golf tour on the planet. Uh, but I will say Keith Pelley at least did. There is one document where Keith Pelley said in back in January, I believe, of 2022, Keith Pelley is very concerned by antitrust competition law matters and repercussions. Flag to Ben. He will no doubt discuss with Len. Possible delays if challenged by process members or third parties, including the Saudis or the PGL. That was a, an email from Guy Kinnings on January 18th, 2022. So at least Keith Pelley had some concerns about antitrust law. Jay Monahan, Ed Hurley, who, who knows what they were thinking. Obviously, Slippin' Jimmy Dunn wasn't on board yet. So <laughs> it's OTP. Any, anything else you found particularly interesting? The, the, the money, you know, is a thing. It sounds like, oh, obviously when, when a merger like this is contemplated. The parties exchange financials, and the DP World Tour gave the PG to- PGA Tour its projections of future revenues. And there are a bunch of documents by whomever did the analysis on the PGA Tour side saying, yeah, this is unrealistic. <laughs> These revenues are unsustainable. They are at best a break even. And ultimately, they considered the DP World Tour to be a borderline distressed asset. They're essentially just, let, let's take on this, you know, probably be a money loser, but we get the Ryder Cup and we can consolidate power in the golf world. And that's what it was all about. Yeah, that was their thing. And you learned you learn just how how different the two organizations were, which surprised me. 
I mean, as a as a young person, I would would have thought of them as peers, you know, because we were losing the Ryder Cup all the time. But now, clearly, the business environment or the the you know cultural importance of golf to the extent that they could sell tickets and make money other in other ways is just not there. Like the, the European Tour is playing for nothing right now, and their their prospects are not good. Um, just a it's a slight turn here on this. So uh, everything that we've talked about so far is a good thing to know. It's fun to find out. <laughs> um, I mean, it's certainly been amusing. Uh, some of it was infuriating as someone who is very qualified to do um, all kinds salaries of salaries are the things world. that upset you the most. And that wasn't actually <clears throat> in these documents. So uh, I L- listen, listen, not, not to just, just totally be about the money, but it's always about the money. And for someone who is, uh, someone who is part of the SGNA structure of an organization, I would have to say that I would be a good value for the <laughs> tour. Um, even work, even working remotely, um, uh, should they want to save some cost? Should that should they want to provide add some money to the pit? You know, maybe they could just take it right off the top of mine. Uh, that would be fine. Uh, but really, Duff, like uh, everything that you dump, like tell me how that influences, in your opinion, the business environment going forward. How that influences. The the the, mer- the potential merger, um, like other than just being fun, what's the, what's the story? Well, so as a the, the, what I would say is that all of these documents, if they've been produced in the Larry Clayman litigation, they were undoubtedly produced in the Live V PGA Tour litigation, and they were certainly turned over to the Department of Justice in its investigation. So how they affect it, I. I have no doubt that the Department of Justice continues to have major concerns about this consolidation, which is what it's called, what it's called in this in these documents. The PGA Tour wanted consolidation of golf, of worldwide golf. I have no doubt that not only the DOJ but also the European antitrust authorities um, are majorly concerned with this deal. And as we talked about in the last time, if it goes through. There are going to be significant conditions attached to this deal, and there's almost certainly going to have to be some sort of divestment of holdings and separation of PGA Tour events from either or both of DP World Tour events and Live Golf events. There's just simply no way that the DOJ and the European authorities are going to let all of these the only major golf tournaments, professional golf tournaments, men's professional golf tournaments, be under one umbrella and with the same governance. It's just not going to happen. So I right, I, pe- right. People are lucky to be tuning in. By the way, welcome. It's 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 good to know you. Um, uh, in the last round, when the uh, and when everything happened on CNBC that day, and everyone was racing to have some kind of comment over, on it over the next couple of days. I listened to a lot of that stuff and, and listened to a lot of my friends and people that I know in the, you know, they're in the sphere of golf. And we're like the only people who mentioned that there, there could be some divestment. We might be the only podcast who can spell it. Um, <laughs> um, and, can, and, and, and anyway, it, it, it was really heartening. And, and I think, I think it's to your credit, uh, uh, Duff, that, it, oh, stop. that it was, that it was even brought up. As, as a way of thinking, like there is a way forward and uh, everyone, I have a, I have a bunch of wild theories about how it might be forward and that could be for another time. But 
anyway, I just wanted to say I think that's great, and I'm glad that you did it. Yeah, I, you know what's what's interesting? We've had we've heard some news from Valderrama in Spain, where the the live tournament was being held this weekend, that uh, Yasser Al Ramayan, the chairman of Live and you know member of the the PIF board, still can is committed to Live Golf going forward. Uh, he's some reports have said he calls it his baby. So one of the things that we've talked about that could be a possibility was if this deal is to really go through, the DOJ uh, would require that Live Golf be sold off as part of that. So you know that's really interesting to me. So while we could imagine a scenario in which a company or a or a conglomerate decides to buy live and take over the contracts that they already have and keep that going as a separate concern. It's a little bit hard to imagine the PIF and Yasser Al-Ramayan himself giving it up when it seems as though he's developed quite a rapport with many of the players. And we saw him with Greg Norman himself this weekend. It seems like he really likes this organization and he likes the people in it. So I think there are a lot of stumbling blocks on the way to this deal that include not only the congressional investigation, not only the DOJ investigation, not only any European uh, red tape, but also how the leadership of Live Golf feels about that organization and whether they may or may not be willing to give it up. Yeah, all good points. Uh, You do know that Michael Jordan just sold the Hornets, right? I did. Or he's in the process. That's my big. That's my big theory. I had to say it out loud. Oh, I, I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the one person who hadn't spoken until he spoke to you today was Tiger Woods. <laughs> yeah. So that if Live were to be, if Live were to be spun off, then Tiger and Jordan could buy it together, and they would could negotiate their own television deal. And as we know, Tiger is the only thing in television uh, for golf. And then Tiger and Phil would be united. Um, in live golf as the most significant golfers of the past 30 years, it's delicious if you think about it a little bit. Yeah, we'd certainly like that. But, uh, you know, I listen, I think we've all obviously become a fan of the team golf, some more than others. Jay Score has his, you know, his ideas about how we can improve the, the live golf team aspect. But something is there, uh, and it would be a shame to see it go. I don't expect to see it go. But it'll be interesting to see in what way it moves forward, who's going to be the owner. All right. Anything else in these documents? I mean, we can listen. Like I said, 357 pages. There's a lot of interesting stuff. There's a lot of funny stuff. There's a lot of, as in every document production, crap. A lot of duplication, you know, presentations that are changed a couple of words on a couple of pages and you get it multiple times. Uh, One thing we did mention, Jay in addition to drafting Tiger's remarks, there was a clear delineation or there is a clear delineation on the PGA Tour policy board between the independent directors and the player directors. And it seems to me that Jay and Ed work with the independent directors to persuade these, like a herd of cats, these player directors on the policy board. And in what it looks like June of 2021 – which is when Jay was trying to convince the board to approve changes to the tournament regulations that included co-sanctioning the Scottish Open with the DP World Tour. Now, remember, one of the few things that the players really do have some power on is changes to the tournament regulations. 
they have to approve as a majority, not just the board as a majority. The players have to approve any changes to the tournament regs, and that would include co-sanctioning the Scottish Open. And it sounded like at the time, you know, there were emails between Jay and Ed Herlihy, and at the time, quote, there was resistance primarily from Kevin and Charlie. That's Kevin Kisner and Charlie Hoffman which centered around concerns that PGA Tour players are not benefiting enough from this schedule change, and it also seems as if they are not convinced regarding the gravity of the threat from the Saudis. So what Jay and Ed asked the other directors to do is to convince the player directors that they needed to approve these changes. And it's wild because, again, these are remarks written for Jay. He wrote remarks for Ed Hurley, and then he wrote remarks – for Ed to write for the other independent directors, including Randall Stevenson, the uh, former AT&T CEO or AT&T CEO. As a CEO of, these are remarks that Jay wrote for Randall Stevenson. As a CEO of a global conglomerate, I had to defend several competitive threats and evolve through industry disruptions. I used to have a quote on my desk that read, if you think change is hard, you should try relevance. This is one of those moments where we have to make this change or risk becoming irrelevant. This threat from Saudi Arabia is real, and the tour's plan to combat this through the strategic alliance with Europe is very smart. I mean, can you, this is the CEO, the, the former CEO of AT&T. Jay is drafting emails from him talking about quotes that he had on his desk. Like, does Randall has Jay been to Randall's office? Has he seen this quote on his desk, or is he making this up? Is this a quote on Jay Monahan's desk? I just that's I, I don't know. It's, it's wild. What, what other? I can't wait. There's more emails out there for sure. And uh, so, so Duff, like, kind of, what does it all mean again? Break it down one more time for me. As far as like monopsony, I remember that word early on. Yeah. So monopoly. remember, mon- monopsony is a monopoly in a labor market. The, what it means right now is that there's currently a fight. Uh, Clayman has already subpoenaed and noticed depositions for a bunch of people that haven't been taken yet, including Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. Lawyers for Rory and Tiger and lawyers for the DP World Tour and the OWGR and the PGA Tour keep fighting these things, delaying them because they believe ultimately they'll be successful on the motion to dismiss Larry Clayman's case. They have been, they have filed previous motions to dismiss. Those have been granted. But as I said, the judge each time keeps allowing Larry Clayman to replead his complaint. And he just filed his third amended complaint last week. In a couple of weeks, the OWGR and DP World Tour have their opposition due. We'll see how that goes. If they're denied and the case goes on, then Tiger's going to get deposed. Roy's going to get deposed. All of these documents that are continuing to be produced could find their way in more filings. As I said, it's clear that the court is not interested in, as a matter of course, sealing or hiding these records as they're produced. So when Larry Clayman files a motion, he's going to attach documents and we're going to see more stuff. And if we get to the point where it's a motion for summary judgment, this is a very fact-intensive motion. It will include hundreds of pages of documents. So if this case goes on, this nuisance case, and I listen, I again, I got to be careful with Larry because I don't want to get sued. I imagine Larry would like to get broken off a piece. You know what I mean? Like if uh, <laughs> if the PIV really wants this case to go away, 
they could make the case go away. I would have to think. And I, you know, I was, I was very curious when the deal got announced and it was announced that the litigation was going to be dismissed in California. I was very curious to see what happened with Larry and whether he was immediately going to get paid off to drop his case. It appears that did not happen at least immediately. Who knows whether it's going to happen, but if it doesn't and the motions to dismiss aren't granted, there'll be more stuff and it'll be worse than this. So remember, Larry's Larry's running basically a one-man shop. I mean, he's got 95 cases going. He's a plaintiff on his own for about 15 cases in Palm Beach on his own. <laughs> I can't imagine how the guy does it. I, he's got to be in his 70s. He's a, he's a wonder. Good for good for you, Larry Clayman. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess uh, for the time being, I'm going to go ahead and keep rooting uh, Mr. Clayman on uh, on this case, and and I can't wait to, for for what else comes out. I mean, it for me, it just it it seems if it's not obvious already, like the, the rumors and speculation earlier about Jay emailing sponsors, companies, players, saying if you do this with Liv or the Saudis, like you know, don't or else kind of stuff like that. All there's, there's absolutely, there's going to be so much damning evidence on the antitrust front. I, you know, it's clear what, what the, the goal of this merger was in quotes for tiger and for AT&T CEOs. Like there's no doubt he's sending threatening emails in writing about, yeah, you know, don't or else. So we'll keep an eye on that. I hope now that the media has been awakened to the fact that there is still a case pending in Palm Beach, I hope we won't have to be the one breaking the news all the time. Hopefully the media will start doing their job. And when these documents come out, we'll hear about them. But I hope it wasn't as simple as just like copying and pasting into Google the uh, the numbers or identifiers on the on the documents to be able to find them. I hope I hope it was a, little a couple bit of more clicks, probably that. a couple of clicks. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I think I think for a bunch of people they didn't do anything. They just and this is the way the golf media works. Can't imagine why. There's a story. They read the story. They rephrase the story, and they don't give credit, and they just pretend they were there. And it's it's disgusting, but it's the reality of the golf media, and that's where we are. So let's talk about golf. We'll talk about this. You know, we're going to do more pie. We're going to we. First of all, you guys want to hear about my 79 again? Is no, let's not talk about your 79. Oh, okay, okay, let's talk okay. about Liv Valderrama, OTP lefty. The, Lead us the off. Exe- the executive summary of Liv Valderrama presented to you by us because we remain unsponsored. Inquire within. Team Torque, Torque GC, called Torque El over Torque. and over. <laughs> El Tor- That's why, because it's L Torque. Uh, wins by five uh, over the Range Goats. This is their third victory of the year. Um, they won in Orlando and D.C. as well. They are very hot, including my man Pooj, who is on a run. And that's um, qu- Pooj qualified and for- Waco Neiman, right? Who's the who's the captain of, of El Torque? Uh, Joaquin Neiman. Of course. And um, uh, Taylor Gooch, your winner in the individual competition by one over Bryson DeChambeau. It's also Gooch's third victory of the year. Uh, he won in Adelaide and Singapore as well, which Gooch is playing big time golf. Yeah, which is ridiculous. So there's been some scuttlebutt on the Twitter about Taylor Gooch's chances of making the Ryder Cup. Is that a possibility at all? He was kept out of the U.S. Open. Uh, is there any chance they're going to let him represent the United States in the Ryder Cup? Okay, there's no practical chance, and anyone trying to make a 
uh, make a case for it, the very first thing they picked was, well, he sued us, he sued us, he sued us. Good grief, it drives me insane uh, because he was part of the lawsuit. Um, but the main thing is, in the time that he was a PGA Tour member, he was not a winner. Um, he's shown nothing in majors and uh, that he's been uh, you know, allowed to participate in. Um, well, I mean, that, not that, that's not going to stop Max Homa from being on the Ryder Cup team. And, anyway, there's just not a track record there. Um, uh, Again, Homa, that's not going to stop Max Homa from being on the Ryder you're, Cup. You're always you're always on you're always on Homa's ass. Let me tell you, he had uh, uh, he had a hole in one today, and he had a great tweet about it, mocking himself, which was really good. So, way to go! And that was was that. He, Eat it, Duffer. Was that Max's first tweet since he shat his pants at the United States Open in Los Angeles? Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't track that kind of stuff. I'm just saying he did a good job today, I, and we can give praise. We well can in, give in praise. LA? You can be, you can be slightly respectful of people that you don't have a particular taste for. <laughs> I, anyway, on the PGA Tour, let me just get to the the executive summary of the Detroit <laughs> Open, aka the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Ricky Fowler breaks a 1,900-day dry spell by winning in a playoff over Colin Morikawa and and Adam Hadwin um, at 24 under par plus a birdie. Unbelievable. Can I call a timeout? I want to talk about Ricky. I like Ricky. I've always been a fan of Ricky. But I want to get back to Liv Valderrama for just a oh, second. God. Taylor Gooch won, of course. But Jay Score, your guy, Bryson DeChambeau, he was in it. He lost by one. What happened? How? Tell me about the finish. How did Bryson play? Is Bryson back, OTP? Uh, totally back. I thought he was going to go to you, Jay Score, for the for the summary of your man. Um, had a little trouble hitting the ball today. Uh, blamed his ball striking today. Shot eight under um, in Saturday's second round. Um, clearly has made strides. Uh, you know uh, the the injury that he suffered. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, though. In other sports that require precision movements like darts to snooker. Um, People who suffer this kind of wrist injury are never heard from again. So DeChambeau has changed his body back more. He's coming back down to regular. Was it size. a hamate hamate injury? Uh, again, no, couldn't could, say. Probably not. I mean, I you, I'm you not a doctor. It, and it, you, yeah, you could have called it anything, <laughs> and I, I'm going to have to say no, or I, I'm just completely I, I unsure. No but anyway, uh, he's got a. He's still super duper long. He's got an uncanny ability to score. Valderrama is super tight and a really weird golf course. And DeChambeau has this label as a player who is only going to hit it as far as he can and do all of that stuff. He certainly has that ability, but he has gears and his game is measured and there is precision there. And this kind of performance proves that. He also is just for every social fault that he has. And you may not be the cool guy, the the man can flat play golf. Well, he's also. He I'll, in, I'll tell you, maybe maybe he's intimidating to people, and he's a. I mean, he might be a tough partner golf guy, but he's tough to beat. Yeah, this is what I I want to say. Maybe he's not cool, air quote cool, but he's charismatic. I mean, there's something about the guy. The fans seem to respond to him. What did you think of the crowds yeah. there at Valderrama? What did you think of the course? You know, general atmospheric impressions of this weekend. Valderrama would drive me insane if I were playing. Like, it seems like there's such a thin line between love and hate at Valderrama. Like, a, a very certain type of precision is required. You have to hit it over the correct pecan tree or whatever. Um, but the, the pro, I'm, I think that's the, the, Probably, the, the breed of tree that, that grows there. But uh, is it, anyway. Is it pecan uh, or is it pecan? Pe- I'm not pecan. an arborist. We're pecans. Uh, anyway, um, 
the the players love the golf course and we're very positive about it. And the scoring was pretty good, but not great. I mean, there were you you hit the ball in the right place, you score. Kokrak shoots four under without ever seeing the golf course. Off of that performance goes out the second day, shoots three over par, bounces back today and shoots three under par. So clearly um, it, it rewards uh, uh, certain good shots and doesn't others. And when you have it, you you can score. And when you don't, you can't. Um, so when yeah, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't tricked up. Like everybody's seen this course in the 97 Ryder cup when it was a complete mess. Uh, and the back nine was just a nightmare of unfair mowing and all kinds of stuff they tried to do to thwart the United States team and tiger and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, uh, really enjoyed it. You know, I, uh, who could judge crowds by what's on television? You never know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to just want to say incredibly bullish on Bryson right now. He's he's trending up again. He's not even 30. You can play golf a long time. He still stinks with his around the green scrambling kind of stuff. But, you know, if he can at all get his approach shots in OK and his putting is OK, that driving distance is going to continue to be such a difference maker. Also, I just want to say Brooks with a third place finish again, guy is playing lights out right now as well. And, uh, you know, we got one more, we got, we got another major coming up, uh, this month yet. So I don't, Brooks has got to be, you know, a favorite in every tournament he plays right now. Absolutely. And uh, except Taylor Gooch, man, Taylor Gooch, Gooch. he's unstoppable and he's getting paid. Might make 30, 40 million this year. Pretty good. Not bad. Yeah, speaking of big dollar guys, Ricky Fowler, tell us about it, OTP. What do you do? How well, do you do it? This is the. I mean, if you are in golf at all, the last ten years, like a moment like this is the moment you've been waiting for. Like the only reason that anyone could malign this guy is that maybe he doesn't close as well as other people have. He's been used as a kind of a scapegoat for people who are very talented, who can't close. Not going to tell you which Tony fee. Now he got compared to a lot. I got to be honest with you though. I'm still, I'm, I'm, I still hold that Ben crane video against him with, with the golf. (laughs) Yeah. Can we forget that? I I can't. You hold it against Bubba. I mean, come on, but Bubba was great. I think, I think, I think it helped. I think leaned into it. He's got the range goats now. I mean, what do you want? I mean, Ricky was saying yes to a lot of things back then. Um, it, it it can be good, it can be bad. Saying yes to a lot of things is how I met you guys. So I mean, I, I'm not going to be that against it. I mean, okay, you got to try right. new things in this life. People have a year of saying yes. I think it was a, it was a decade for Ricky. Is the way it turned. Any, out. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I love Ricky. It, by the way, anyway the the me television too, too. Co- the television television coverage was a joke. We were watching this entire thing um, uh, here. Uh, on PGA tour.com. Um, very funny uh, with my 80 year old dad um, trying to just like do the shot link with him every time. But the, the bottom line of this course was it was a complete birdie fest. Um, and every single person was birdieing the 17th hole of par five. And they weren't really birdieing 18 uh, for whatever reason. Anyway, uh, Fowler uh, fouls up uh, at the 17th and doesn't make the birdie that he needs. Um, he met, he hits it to three feet on the 18th hole to make a birdie and force a playoff with Morikawa and Adam Hadwin. They go out and play the 18th hole again. Adam Hadwin. He Adam made. Hadwin was in this tournament. Yes, he got <laughs> he got through, got through security. Always great to hear me. It was like Canada Canada Week, Canada Day yesterday, 
How about is it? Is he is he uh, from Toronto? Is it one of these deals where it's like it's kind of a home game for Adam Adam Hadwin? It, uh, <laughs> is it all right if I say I don't care? Anyway, um, uh, anyway, Fowler makes about a fifteen footer to win for Birdie. Has a an all world reaction. I strongly recommend that you you reach out to your social media source to find the clip. Um, anyway, anyway, something like nineteen hundred days without a victory, um, and really got into the 100s in world ranking as a person who was a, a, a you know, like a, he's a, he was a very, very popular person, not only with, with us as fans and, and the machine has used him a lot as a, as a pitch man and all of that stuff. But I mean, everyone just says that every interaction they have with him is positive and 50 million Elvis fans can't be all wrong. Absolutely. Never, never heard I mean, anybody say a bad word about him. He just, just yeah, seems like go. the yeah. real deal. You know, and 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 because we want the United States of America to win in the Ryder Cup, even though nobody cares about the Ryder Cup, right on time. Even though nobody cares, the twelve of us who watch it do. And he, him being hot and being so popular, uh, is a great thing for the team um, because it's starting to shuffle itself out. Like, um, I don't know what we're going to do with the with Wyndham Clark in an international man of boredom, but, but we like JT's kind of sorting him. He's kind of shuffling his way out. And some of these guys who are not in form are kind of shuffling their way to the bottom. Keegan Bradley won last week and was, and got a top 20 finish this week, I think. And if he wouldn't drive somebody crazy oh, with all that spitting and machinations during during match play, listen, we, listen. I would I would love to have him for a partner against you two knuckleheads. We're, he would drive you two insane. We're running I, over I, an hour. We've got plenty of time to talk about the Ryder Cup that nobody cares about. But but I I do want to mention something. We are we're not going to be able to do the ratings game anymore. I don't know if you heard this among the noise on Twitter, but Golf TV ratings, the Twitter account, has shut down, and it is shut oh, down no. because. Showbuzz Daily, which is where you know it's been the number one spot on the internet for posting TV, the nightly ratings and the weekly weekend ratings, it's closing down. No real explanation. It's kind of a mystery, but essentially we're not getting TV numbers anymore. So as much as I know that nobody cares about the Ryder Cup, we're not going to be able to get that information except from the PR departments of you know the respective tours. And or maybe it's tour going forward, and so they're they're only going to give us the ratings that they consider to be good. And the same with the network. So kind of a sad day. I you know, the ratings game was one of our most popular segments. So we're, we're going to be working hard behind the scenes to come up with something new for the folks. It makes me sad. I, I was not aware of that. I'm hearing that for the first time, and yep. legitimately bummed yep. out by that. That uh, R.I.P. Showbuzz Daily. All right. I, that's all I got. You guys got anything else? We we have the the U.S. Women's Open is of course next weekend. I'm headed out to Minnesota to play a member guest. I, we may or may not be able to get a preview out before that tournament. Real quick, OTP, who you got? Minji Lee, J Score. Minji Lee's a great pick. Um, I didn't know we were doing Pebble Beach. Here. Pebble um, Beach. Just real quick pick. U.S. Open. Um, I'm gonna go. Leona McGuire. Leona McGuire. All right, that's it. I, I, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed the document dump. I hope you new listeners have enjoyed the show. We'll be back. More stuff. See you. Right on. Go food.
Just made me do. I don't trust nobody and nobody trusts me.